Hello and welcome to the Justice and Coffee podcast, the podcast where we discuss a variety of justice-related issues affecting the world over a cup of coffee. I've never been much of a data sort of guy. My father and my brother are really into it though. My brother's job, though I've never completely understood it, has something to do with the representation of statistical data and he's he's always excited to share with us some analysis he's come across on the family whatsapp group my father's the same whenever we go cycling he can't wait to get home and analyze his data from his Strava app to see where his improvements were made or what were his slow points how hard his heart was working this interest in all things decimal must have missed me I am however fascinated by the number of downloads we get for this podcast, where in the world they're coming from, and which episodes are more downloaded than others. Did you know we had listeners in the UAE, in India, and the Philippines? How cool is that? Now, back in November, I recorded a podcast with Sam Quaig and Josh Clark from Clifton Coffee Roasters about the coffee industry, with a particular focus on where it intersects with the issue of justice and human trafficking. It was a real indulgence for me because I could listen to these guys talk about coffee all day long, quite unlike my father and my brother. But I have been encouraged to see that episode is actually one of our most downloaded. So I'm slightly less apologetic this time for allowing the focus to swing from justice to coffee as I welcome Josh back onto the podcast to give us an update on how the coronavirus has affected the coffee industry. And there's a couple of tips in there for you coffee lovers chucked in at the end. So please pour yourself a cup, join us for this catch up with Josh, settle in somewhere comfortable for the latest episode of the Justice and Coffee podcast. So Josh, buddy, it's great to speak to you. I, uh, I, I want to ask you from the top, how are things in the world of coffee, specifically down there in Bristol? How are things at Clifton? How's, how's everything been affected so far? It's good to hear you, mate. First of all, good to hear your voice and see you over this, uh, this call. I know others won't see you, but upside down, I think it's probably the, the politest PG way I could probably put it on the pod at the moment. Um, yeah, I think really like our, our world has has definitely been been turned upside down since this is uh this has kicked off we're surviving which is which is good we've always tried to like practice uh or do our business sustainably and ethically so i think that's working dividend for us you know now we've managed to protect as much coffee uh, as much of our employees and everything else as, as as we can um but it's it's not been pretty as the last well yeah march 23rd is it i think we went into official lockdown sort of easing now but yeah it's been hard yeah, I realised um, yesterday that uh, obviously all this is completely irrelevant if if we produce this podcast in a month's time. But I w- had been at my parents' house for nine weeks. Now I I decided when they started closing things down. I normally live in South London. I thought it might be wise to to flee the city and escape to the countryside where my parents have a nice house. And uh, I made that call packed a two-week bag expecting to be away for no longer than that um and uh, yeah nine weeks i've been away so i'm back in london now 
but it's uh, yeah it was a it was, I couldn't have foresaw that happening and it, all of this is very very difficult I mean you talk about um, being an ethical business and and there's an element of continuity planning that comes in with with all sorts of business preparing for the worst mm. hoping for the best but I don't think anybody could have really um, sufficiently prepared to be in a good place right now unless they're yeah, totally. leveraged around a, a totally uh, online platform now I know you guys have uh, obviously an online platform they have you have a website how have you find your have you found your sales on there yeah I think that's the main thing is that um, that as we saw this kick off well I think from the main thing actually is that we've we've tried to develop our online brand and our online presence really since like April 2017. That's when we launched our current website and really wanted to take some of the coffee or the majority of the coffee program that we were implementing and really tell that story. And we were finding with the amount of content that we had that an online platform would be the best way to do that and really try to drive it. We were a bit slow to the market there. Um, and sort of this year we'd, we'd set some targets. We were like, okay, cool. We've got a great looking website now. We've put loads of time into talk, you know, communicating through uh, different types of content I mean you know we've got video we've got um blogs on there we've got loads of pictures now as well and a variety of coffee it's like okay let's really get behind it and try to push it and i guess a blessing in disguise has been that that has accelerated that element of our business and maybe yeah without it we, we wouldn't have really been able to survive um a sort of unscathed as we have at the moment so we have seen ridiculous numbers of, of growth and people buying online and and asking about coffees and, and trying lots of different coffees and um, we launched a new subscription service as well um so that's been uh, uh yeah it, it's had its challenges as everything does but uh, it's yeah it's been it's been good for us as a business i think taking us into a you know where we try to position ourselves it's, it's taken us into a, a new realm of custom to a certain extent um which is which has been exciting as well. I've loved getting them, you know, on the phone to people the last couple of weeks and explaining our subscription service, talking to them about the coffee that we've been sourcing. It's the closest I've got to, to sort of personal contact with anyone who's kept me sane over the last couple of, of months. So yeah, it's it's doing well online. We um yeah, we'll have to talk about that subscription service. That's something I'd like I'd like to, to <laughs> reflect for Bluebear. That would be great. So um one of the things I was gonna well I I just remember. Uh, it sounds, you know, that sounds like you've spun it quite positively, which is great because we love positivity, especially in difficult times. But I remember the call uh, between us, uh, you know, maybe two months ago now, something like that. And it was, it might even have been a bit longer, but that sort of crisis call where you and the guys down there in Clifton were having to have a really, a really serious discussion about uh, how to sustain this business, the, the need to furlough staff, the desire to continue to supply um coffee and 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 keep the wheels turning but it was tough and i know a number of you made some significant commitments and sacrifices in order to stay trading we're only as good and as exciting and as innovative as the people that work for us i think we're really we've always been really conscious of that and tried to invest you know as we sort of alluded in the last last podcast is you know invest in the people that work with us and for us so that we get a real nice, sustainable, safe business. Um, and, and that starts with James and Ed, our, our, our founding directors. Um, so when this really, really began to kick off, and we're like, okay, it's, it's in the UK, and it's going to have some profound impact on our industry now, we, um, we sat down and, and tried to look at, you know, some financial stress tests. You know, we've got 30 people plus on our, on our books. It's a, it's a lot of 
families and, and mortgages and, and people that we you know want to try and keep in um, in employment for as long as possible. Um, and yeah, James and Ed were willing to make some pretty profound sacrifices in regards to their, their you know their, their personal savings to be able to to try and keep us going as as long as we can. Um, the government support came in sort of the day after we sort of announced our own job retention scheme, which really, really helped us as a business and has helped us now. Yeah, we've, we're in the inevitable position where we've got you know, the best part of 15 um, road and field technicians who are usually out repairing coffee machines that are serving coffee. You know, up until the last week or so, there's been no, no coffee served. So, um, yeah, that scheme has been really helpful there. Um, and again, that sort of then filters right the way through to, to the sort of coffee contracts that we've got, our exposure to, to future contracts um, that we've tried to, um, you know, that, we've, that we have bought or committed to buy from, from, our, from our partners that we buy on a direct trade basis as well. So I've been constantly on the phone for, um, for the last two months, really, trying to just work out uh, you know, what, what we can do, how we can, how we can operate in a market where, for the first time ever, really, both supply, um, well, first of all, the, the, the demand obviously dropped, but, um, but that, you know, what the effects of that were going to be on supply. Um, I think there's ever been a position where the demand had dropped to, to zero almost to a certain extent, mm. at least on features. And the coffee market inverted, I think, for the first time in, from what I read in history, um, in the sense that the, the sort of spot price and short contracts, um, fell um like yeah so the the short prices were higher than than the long prices and it's usually sort of the other way around you might have left over you might have to explain (laughs) that a little bit so so in in as we sort of you know for those who haven't listened to the last podcast listen to that one first and um but ultimately when when we're when we're buying coffee there's a few different ways by which we can buy we can either buy off off the spot market which is coffee that is already been purchased by somebody and is sitting usually in the in the UK in a warehouse, but you know maybe sometimes dotted around Europe and other warehouses as well. But sat taken up uh, storage space on the floor, which means that someone has has bought coffee, it's landed and it, it is their position. It is also their risk because that coffee will deteriorate as it's sat in a warehouse. So often or not, um, spot pricing can be a little bit higher, but short term contracts then so things like short back to backs. Um, uh, which are contracts that um, aren't spot positions, but contracts that move quickly or are ready to ship rather than the future contracts, which would be contracted further ahead of time. Um, short contracts are usually a little bit cheaper because for whatever reason, maybe that coffee's not been sold um, or it's getting towards the end of its life before it needs to be shipped. Um, so that price is usually slightly lower than the futures. Um, Whereas the future market, there's often less of a demand unless you're very smart with your your purchase. Um, uh, but yeah, for the first time, that that market flipped around. So um, that was yeah pretty precarious. There was lots of market reports flying around. People who are having bumper harvests, not really knowing what to do with coffee, and uh, a lot of producers, I think, panicking. And then even to the position where then you had pickers who were reluctant, sort of like I guess some of the crisis that we've got going now with the harvest in the UK, but got pickers in a position where they didn't want to go and didn't feel safe to go and pick, uh, pick coffee. So you just had coffee going stale on, uh, on trees, which is, a, which is just as bad, you know. Um, in regard to that life cycle of coffee, so the coffee that is in the warehouse now, 
when mm -hmm. was that um when was the that crop picked when was the harvest so it, yeah assume assuming it's fresh crop um a lot of seven, uh, like southern central america begins to harvest anytime from october onwards ethiopia is about november as well and then you see those sorts of coffees beginning to land in the uk anytime from january to march so the weird thing as well i think that that we found as a business is this sort of kicked off just as everybody had secured all of their coffee position for the year so they a lot of the trips were done just before christmas where you know we went and met producers and we're like great this is the volumes that we want we, we forecasted growth we've got some new exciting projects that we're working on let's let's really sort of you know commit to purchase from you load up our our positions that we've got the coffee for the year um, and then lo and behold the whole market just just <laughs> sort of crumbles for a, for a period at least on the from yeah from the specialty side of things where we are i know globally some things have picked back up now like supermarket uh, coffee is, is is going through through the roof so I think there are some much bigger companies that have been quite smart and be able to absorb and do quite well. But yeah, for, for us, it was um, just making sure that, you know, the coffee that we had on the way was going to work. So if you've got a coffee yet that was uh, that is spot position, that is fresh crop, um, it sort of arrived somewhere between January and March. And usually little specialty or nano roasters would, would sort of plod through that, you know, for the, as it's been for the last three or four months. Um, I guess with the forecasts for our industry now is that, you know, it's pr probably likely that that we're not going to see any reopenings maybe till till October, November, um, or if places are opening before that, then they're only going to be maybe at thirty percent capacity of what they would be able to do beforehand. So um, the demand is definitely going to be down on um, in regards to the supply that's sat there. Um, so, and then there's this is the yeah go on, sorry. I was just going to jump in there to, to, to help ask you to see if you could help me distinguish as well about the, the two different halves of the coffee industry that, that we're attached to and, and how they might be affected. So typically the, the retail side. So your high street coffee shops, the same for you as it was for us, all of our, our wholesale customers, be them restaurants, cafes, yeah. hotels, churches, they've all had to shut their doors. So they're not ordering anymore. And it Mm -hmm. requires us to rely entirely you know exclusively on the retail direct to home um business model but so what what, what do you know for all of the many relationships that you've got and have had at clifton all your many customers i think what you said mm. before what 90 percent of their business is wholesale so yeah how, how is that impacting um so many so many small businesses I think it's it's been really hard. You know, we so we we supply around about eight hundred or so coffee shops, restaurants, bars, hotels, pubs, churches, offices, you name it, up and down the UK. And predominantly, we are Clifton Coffee wholesale coffee roasters. Um, so you know, first and foremost, it has decimated what we what we're able to to do. Really, um, we've never been in a position before where you know we've had so few customers open, even in the history of when Clifton Coffee started twenty years ago. So, um, yeah, I think from speaking to people, um, you know, we've got some, some, uh, customers who have, who have just literally just opened shop. They've spent, you know, the best part of the last couple of years coming up with a business model, um, mapping out their cafes with us and, um, and then have just opened and, 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 you know, maybe even just got into a position where they're just about to start paying a salary to themselves for the first time, you know, <laughs> you know just absorbing costs for the last, um, last however many months and 
And I think they've been in a real hard position because there's there's no additional support. They've sort of caught themselves um, in between. I know, yeah, the sort of uh, demands on the government have, have been unprecedented, but uh, I think they've been particularly uh, hard uh, felt. Um, we've worked with some people who have been able to, to sort of operate uh, to a certain extent where maybe there are a mobile coffee unit that only does takeaway. So the minute that the, the, the lift um, was you know, taken off slightly and people could walk and exercise, they were able to have a coffee cart that was able to do takeaway drinks. Um, and I've managed to sort of get through and maybe been a little bit more successful in a certain extent because you know, more demand has been put their way. Um, and then we work with, you know, some, some, some larger, um, specialty chains that have a hundred plus sites and operate with some you know, ridiculous numbers uh, that at the moment they're just completely tied they can't you know necessarily change their restaurant or reposition their coffee machines so that they're able to efficiently serve takeaway so it's um i think on the whole it's it, uh, for the, the hospitality industry it's it's been devastating mm. um I just hope, you know, for those who, who have been dynamic and have been able to get online, we've really tried to support, you know, do some extra white labels so that they can sell their products to their customers where possible. Um, or if not, you know, just try and support them in any way, shape or form that you can check out their Instagram and, and or Facebook or whatever and see, see what they're doing and see how you can help. Yeah. Sticking with, with the commercial side, Josh, do you think when um, we're allowed to start going shopping again, heading into our town and city centres and coffee shops, restaurants start opening up whenever that is. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think, you know, how, how do you think this might affect the way we do business? Is it likely to, um, I mean, we've got to make a coffee shops were already running at such a slim margin on, on the large part when you've got to deal with, with rent, if you want to get a good mm -hmm. position, You've got business mm. rates. You've got the cost of employing people, giving them a fair salary, equipment. They're not. They're not typically an easy business to make profit from the, the cafe, coffee shop world. But what do you think? People are innovative, right? They're creative, and I'm really mm. excited in a way to see. Okay, this is the challenge. What what's going to emerge? You already mentioned mobile coffee units. Obviously, take away a lot of the fixed costs. But what other things do you think might emerge from this? Yeah, we've um, we've had some weird and wacky requests from from uh, from customers who are just trying to to protect themselves really and stay safe. Um, you know, we've seen a few businesses take their offering online. Um, we saw a few coffee shops do a f like their own cycle delivery service. So take a bag of beans, you know, however you take it at home, whether ground the beans and, and deliver it to your door. And just sort of knock and run. That's sort of become acceptable again these days, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That was just a game we played as kids growing up. It's all right if you leave a um, coffee in the doorstep. Exactly. Um, so we've seen a bit of that. Um, I've seen a lot of um, like Instagram live stuff where uh, people have been uh, teaching, you know, their their regulars online. It's like, cool, mm -hmm. we've got your bag of coffee. Great. Now let's teach you how we how we can brew it. Little little hacks, barista hacks, as it were, for the, for the house. That means that you just get a slightly better uh, cup at home. We've had a few customers open their own online store. So just managed to, to get onto to Squarespace or, or you know, Shopify, WooCommerce or whatever it might be and, and, and just set up a, an ordering system that they can get coffee out the door, particularly if they've got their own coffee from us or something. 
So th there's some ways that we've seen it. I think the majority of people were actually almost really scared at the beginning not to not to operate uh, out of risk of you know breaking rules and and encouraging uh, social interaction at the beginning. You know, particularly in the you know, the coffee shop vibe is built on on relationships on on seeing reactions from like I love the you know I love becoming a barista because I can serve somebody a drink, hand it to them, yes. see them smile. Yeah, and and that that really made made me happy. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, I think it's yeah uh, for me and that's what it's all about that's yeah. I love me meeting people at our roastery showing them the the coffee showing them the packaging letting them taste the drinks talking about that kind of thing so yeah we're trying to get innovative even more you know we've, we've begun to get some in inquiries over the last couple of weeks on places that are looking to reopen now um or have mainly been like furloughed from their current job and like just reassessing life just like this is a, a, a you know reality check for me. I want to go and do something different. Mm. So I've sent out some coffee and conducted like uh, virtual coffee cuppings with a customer, a potential customer. Um, a new co we released a new coffee. So we did like a little focus group uh, where we were like, this is yeah, this is what we're thinking. Um, what do you guys think? Do you like the taste of it? Uh, the roast profile with some of our team that usually are involved in QC. Um, Training, I think, is the, is the big one. We're looking at maybe converting our um, our showroom into like a Clifton Coffee Studios vibe and be able to to organize multiple training sessions via video means. Um, so, yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of people get innovative. Online, I think, has been cool. Like, you know, Zoom, Teams, Google Hangout has taken a paste in. They must have upgraded their servers beyond any imaginable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah feet this year, they're, they're taking some big online um traffic coming through but um yeah that's i guess the main ways we've seen stuff gone it's cool because um it's funny you presume when you work in coffee and, and and you start to develop your own personal knowledge of coffee that everyone else is going on that journey with you but of course they're not and i'm sometimes surprised and i shouldn't be um but when mm -hmm. customers ask about you know how what how sh what should I use for cafetiere coffee or what should I use for filter coffee or how should I order this grind? And, and mm -hmm. quite wrongly, I have presumed that there's a certain uh, sort of amount of knowledge there, pre-existing knowledge there, but in many cases it's not. And I think we haven't done enough of it yet, but I think what you're saying and what you've suggested already is getting me thinking, you know, maybe we should be doing more on that the home education, you know, how do you, it's a nice thing. It's a, an accoutrement to have a, a nice cafeteria yeah. or V60 or, or a Chemex or a way of, you know, an AeroPress, a way of brewing your own coffee and trying to change mm -hmm. it. Okay, what if I do an extra half spoonful? What if I you know, leave it to, to, to brew that a little bit longer and start to understand flavor yes. profiles? And yeah, I think there's something there that could, it's difficult, isn't it? Because coffee, Yes, it can be very personal, right? It can be the thing you do every morning, get up, mm -hmm. put the kettle on, <laughs> do your home coffee, whatever. Um, but, it's, but I think of coffee, I love that too, but as a mm -hmm. communal thing, as an interpersonal thing, as a, as a time to connect with someone. Let's go get a coffee, sit down, have some brunch, yeah. have a pastry, catch up. And that just seems so absent right now, which is, which is the sad thing. And the idea of standing in a two-meter line you know, slowly edging my way to the front of that to get a coffee, at, you know, given to me on a pincer or something. It just, it just yeah. you know, that sterility is so sad because that isn't what I associate with the coffee world. So it's, it's a challenge. What I wonder, Josh, I mean, we talked very briefly there on the commercial side, but 
look at our farmers you you mentioned them at the top of this conversation wanting to show some commitment to them but if there the there's been such a drop off not just in the uk an international drop off of need to fill these um you know these wholesale clients with coffee mm -hmm. shops restaurants you name it then what do they do with that surplus we know when there's a surplus the price drops the price drops they, there's no cost of a product anymore is it going to damage what, what the progress we've made in specialty coffee over the last decade or so what do you think yeah i think we're we're we could be on the tip of a or maybe even a knife edge to a certain extent because yeah that coffee will will need to go somewhere for them to be um to be able to yeah just to be able to function in their own lives you know they've got their own costs of living as well um uh, we've been lucky enough to be able to honor every contract that we've we've purchased so far we've done a little bit of moving around in sort of dates on shipment and stuff but the majority of it, um that's credit to sam as well and, and the buy-in that he does but um you know we have been able to protect that but i think that the knife edge i was talking about is really dangerous because what often will happen will be that the the, the supplier um is already in the future because they the coffee leaves them and it could be six months before it hits a cafe um and i think what what sometimes what the danger of what could happen would be that the farmers are like well the demand is down so why do i need to invest in, in more coffee or greater yield and then and then they'll not produce or not put as much effort into producing as much coffee maybe not buy as much fertilizer this year or not replant or not stump or not do anything that's going to help them in in the future and the life cycle of a coffee tree you know you could be anywhere up from two to five years really before you start to be able to get fruit or cherries that are going to be able to produce enough coffee or trees that are able to produce enough coffee that you can sell so the risk is that farmers are going to get frustrated in the short term and 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 rip up trees and plant something else cash crop that's going to help them avocados plantain banana oranges whatever it might be that allows them to to keep cash flow going but eventually then when the market reopens and the demand begins to increase again the supply then will not be able to cope and i think with the mm. sort of climate change stuff that's been happening as well there's been some scary numbers that have come out saying that the way that demand was going supply wasn't going to be able to keep up anyway so oh, interesting yeah, they'll, they'll, I think it's going to be interesting to see because we, we still don't really know the effects yet of, you know, what the reduction in, in manufacturing and pollution and everything else has done to, to the world out there at the moment. Um, I, don't know, I drive to work uh, in the roastery at the moment. I, I have to get to work to roast coffee. Um, and as I drive in at the moment, I've never seen the motorway or the side of the motorway look so green. Mm. Um, I, I think that could only be a good thing. Um, and then taking that back into the community of just like my my neighbors, you know, there's like a, a WhatsApp group on the streets. I think the pace of living has, has definitely changed. Um, and we've got neighbors talking to each other over their garden wall, you know, and, and, and there was like a, yeah, like a little community chat going on how people could support themselves. So I think that that community has maybe moved away from the coffee shops at the moment, but I really hope that I see that interaction back on on a, on a local level you know people speaking to the neighbors again uh, go into the local farmer's market i've just taken on an allotment um, to start growing sure. some veg um so i think yeah i really hope that 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 sort of community can still be kept i and i and i think as horrible as this has been for for a lot of businesses and, and the economy in general not not even to mention the lives that have been lost as a result of this uh, 
discussed in pandemic is that um that i hope that we sort of reevaluate our our position in life and our purpose uh, and the relationships that we can have with people and take for granted that I've definitely taken the pace of life that I've been able to enjoy the last couple of years for granted and this has really been a, a stark reminder of that because I'm not in control anyway. It's one of those things isn't it and uh, certainly from, since I, I mean 24 hours I've been back in London and it feels very weird it uh, mm. you know that that buzz that that excitement that um, that sort of international uh, melting pot that is the, the city it, it doesn't feel quite the same it's and but yet the countryside where I spent the last two and a bit months was was so idyllic you know so the, the temptation you know, yeah. I'm really really thinking about do I need to be here would, could, would it be nice to transplant my life to the countryside is it sustainable I mean we're getting away from coffee but it's definitely on my mind <laughs> And it, it will definitely be on a lot of people's minds. I think it's already being reflected in, in the housing market. I read an article about all these people looking into the country, countryside dwellings. But in regard mm. to um, what you mentioned about the farmers, it's great that you're managing to mm -hmm. honour that commitment. I think that is, is really admirable. And I, I remember going to, to meet with uh, TWIN, which is an amazing organisation, sadly, yeah, um, went into administration last year, but um, mm. uh, they, you know, one of the things I learned from that conversation um, when I went to go and meet them in, in East London in Liverpool Street was about how they really encouraged their farmers to diversify their crop offerings and how mm. that that was continuity planning. It was actually it's great to have really high grade specialty coffee. It's great for you to to master that process, but it's really wise to also yeah. offer other crops it's also good for the soil but um but i thought that was interesting and uh, and and that lesson can be cascaded into mm. so many other parts of business life isn't it about diversifying your your offering not being uh, too overly leveraged on one particular oh. product yeah it's a hard balance isn't it of wanting to do something uh, to the best of its ability and to focus its attention so that you can ex you know really excel but also not to, to put all your eggs in one basket as yeah. it were Funny enough, you mentioned when we um, they were absorbed by a Sustainable Harvest, who who, who we still buy from. So I, I had a, a conversation this morning actually to approve some shipment samples uh, on a contract from from Columbia from one of the women's producers groups, the an eye group that we buy from. Yeah, the Euro community. Yeah. Right. So we've just approved. Uh, so that'll be yeah probably like I guess Monday or Tuesday now that'll be instructed to ship. And it was tasting incredible. I'm really excited for the oh, coffee yeah. to, to land. Um, yeah, and I think for us, you know, diversifying was just accelerating our online brand. Um, we've noticed it with your, you know, your orders as well. Like people keep buying blue beer coffee. You know, like we, we need that support and mm. the way in which it then gets reinvested, isn't it, back into to everything that we, we both do as a business. It makes a huge, huge difference. I was really excited today. We um, we launched, uh, I think it's about two weeks ago now, a, a new coffee from Rwanda. Um, and uh, yeah, Tim, our head roaster, came to me this morning and just said, "We uh, our coffee's gone. It's all sold out. Wow. Right. And I was really, sort of took me by surprise. It was like, that's gone really quick. And it's just sort of shown the scale of uh, online sales, people liking different coffees, that selection, that catalog that we can, we can curate and put up. Um, to sort of fulfill all the different types of coffee drinkers out there, um, whether that be from the crazy Pan uh, Panama 
anaerobic ferments that you're currently out there to sort of your, your bog standard uh, delicious cup of joe from Brazil, which is also performing really well for us at the moment. So, um, yeah. Bo bog exciting. standard wasn't a very good choice of words. No, maybe not, actually. <laughs> from a coffee tasting champion. Uh, how do you rate the coffee <laughs> at bog standard? I, um, I, I think the, one of the things that I'm finding interesting, and you mentioned you know, our orders have gone up, it's just a sense of a, a newfound sense of commitment and loyalty with with that relationship with our customers. They kind of, I kind of feel like people who have are either new to us or they've been supporting us for a while are sort of right. Well, let's go out, you know. Let's let's support these guys. Let's get those orders made. And um, I, I'm you know I'm touched by that. But uh, I I think I'm hopeful, and uh, be interesting to to hear from you. Just closing, Josh, what your hope is for the coffee industry. But my hope is that loyalty um, is also reflected when the likes of our many friends that have independent small coffee shops and local businesses reopen, um, yeah. that their communities will continue to support them and tenfold what they used to, that people will go out and, and look to support them. Um, just, just being loyal to those businesses around and the people that run them. So that, that's my hope. What about you, mate? Mm. Yeah, massively, same. Like What's been interesting over the last two months is that I've been in sort of on lockdown, but in the roastery producing all our online um, coffee, really, and just packing it each day. You start to see names. You're like, this, mm. this person this person ordered on Monday. It's Thursday. <laughs> like, how much coffee are they drinking? But it's amazing to see that that repeat. And also see, you know, that, oh, that person, they've ordered a different coffee this time. Or, you know, with, with your customers, I've seen coffee go, like, all over into Northern Ireland, into... Yeah to scotland yorkshire cornwall norfolk you see they go like all corners of the uk so i think and repeat orders so i think that's really exciting to see that people are buying in and are supported um in regards to to sort of closer to home i saw like a gofundme page um set up that um was there for uh, local coffee shops which was just basically a if you can't buy a coffee from your local coffee shop at the moment um on this fund me page just put a donation um and put the the shop that you wanted to go to and this person was then helping pass this on to support the local shops and the support on instagram and stuff that i've seen from people being like you know that have been able to reopen for takeaway now that community jumping on and really supporting local um has has been good and local businesses really care there's, there's, there's lots of families and yeah, that have gone into not families just individuals as well that have gone into opening coffee shops pouring blood sweat tears yeah. skulls on their hands whatever it might be for making coffee yeah. um yeah it's a real love and i think that community is, is hopefully excited to just be able to to get back out and support where yeah. they can in person yeah and just in closing i mean it might not be the the most natural segue but i'm determined to shoehorn the issue of justice into every podcast that I Absolutely. have. And um, of course, there's so much room for that conversation in the world of coffee. We, we, mm. we talked about the fact that there is going to be you know, a dramatic reduction in, in, in need in the coffee farms around the world, which could create surplus, which creates a drop in price, market price, mm -hmm. which can foster uh, situations of exploitation for a workforce, especially when it picks up again. Um, mm -hmm. But I just, I thought if people haven't potentially heard our, our first chat that we had a few months back, um, 
would it could if in fear of repeating a message that I think we've probably covered the first time round, but I would love for you just to touch on why it's important to know about where your coffee comes from and why just things like traceability, um, mm. single origin coffee, direct trade, just very, very briefly, because I'm so, so passionate, as I know you are, that people yeah. get to learn as they start to get excited about coffee, they start to understand all the different flavors and really go on that journey with coffee. Actually, it's really closely linked to paying people a proper wage all over yeah, the world absolutely. and maybe you yeah. could just tie this fantastic little catch-up we've had up for <laughs> us with some sort of reference to that yeah i think uh, as you mentioned we touched on it before but as, as i mentioned then even at the beginning of this podcast is that we saw the coffee market invert and and usually when things like that happens it means that people who have lots or biz, big businesses big enterprises big multinationals that have spare cash are aggressively purchasing um, when the market can be exploited. Um, that is making assumptions on certain extents and there will be reasons why other people are purchasing. But usually when, when uh, supply is high and price is low, then people will exploit it. Um, there will always be people that do that. And, and yeah, and that is dangerous for, for everybody involved in the industry because, you know, we all, um, yeah, yeah, we've touched on this in the past. We care so much about the, you know, the people that are producing you know, this coffee and all the other commodities that are around it that we, we want them supported. And I think the main thing for us has always been about the coffee and the story and the people that we buy from, sustainable relationships so we can buy year on year, great, great, great coffee. But I had a question this week from a customer that was like, oh, I bought this Panama from you guys. Is, it, is, it gonna, is this like here to stay or is it gonna disappear? I was like, oh no, this is a relationship that we that we've got, and we, you know, that we can support and maintain. But the risk is now is that you know there's going to be lots of coffee going, um, you know, on, it's going to spoil on trees if it's not picked, if it's not harvested. There will be inevitably people drafted in as slaves to pick this and not treated properly, and there will be people that are exploited all the way around around the world at the moment. Yeah, so we mentioned before about the traceability of coffee. Um, and if you're going to, whether you buy online or from a supermarket um, or a food store or a local shop, just, I think, understanding you know, the story of that coffee, if you read that it's from Kenya on the ingredients list, is it from Kenya? Does it have certification? We spoke about that last time as well. Mm. Certifications, of course, they've got their flaws, but they are going to be doing a good thing deep down. Um, does it say specialty coffee on there? Is there a cup score on there? If it's above 80, it's going to be some pretty good coffee with some traceability as well. But I think, yeah, just ask those questions as you would about, about anything, hopefully, that you buy these days, you know, mm. whether it be clothing or, or anything. Um, and ultimately, if it's got a Clifton Coffee or Blue Bear logo on it, it's going to be even better for everybody involved in this podcast. But ultimately, isn't it? We want to, we want to support the, the wider industry and everybody that's involved from, from crop to cup um, so that we've, we've still got coffee to drink and enjoy and chat and converse over. Yeah, brilliant. Well said, sir. Um, just remind the listener, um, mm -hmm. we've talked about spoiling coffee, but once mm -hmm. it's roasted, that life yep. is, is, is considerably extended. That green bean coffee, yes, it spoils, and the product on mm. the tree, of course, the, the crop on the tree, but once it's roasted, how long are we good for? If, if we've bought a bag of coffee and it's sitting in the back of the shelf, how long is that good for, Josh? It, it does it does depend coffee by coffee I, I, i'll put that disclaimer out there 
and you know some of the big people have the ability to um to sort of night refresh and preserve as well but ultimately freshly roasted coffee is intended to be drunk fresh if you know if a coffee is more than definitely four weeks past roast you are going to see a deterioration in the cup so you know don't feel like you have to stock your cupboards up with loads of coffee now um you know we we roast refresh to order as a load of other roasteries do around the uk just just you know buy what what, what you need at the time grind it fresh or uh, if you can uh, or if not you know order it grand um but yeah i think you know we recommend after roast three to five days rest and that coffee is going to be ready to drink and then anything up to four weeks uh, don't worry too much about putting you know your coffee in the fridge in tupperware mm. in the freezer just a cool dry place like you covered in a sealed bag will be absolutely fine and if you don't get around to it for six months is it going to poison you it will not at all one of the best coffees that i ever made i don't know if i said this on the last one or not it was for my father-in-law and I made him um, a Chemex, which is just like a pour over coffee at home. Um, I was rushing and really, really couldn't be bothered to make the coffee at the time, which is very selfish of me. But um, I managed to eyeball in some coffee and pour some water over it. I think the coffee was about three months old and managed to make the best Chemex I've ever made in my life. Um, complete fluke, but it was delicious. Tried to sort of repeat the eyeball method the next day. Wasn't so consistent. But um, What's just the eyeball method? Just exactly what it says in the tin. Use your eyes. <laughs> just, just roughly, that looks about 45 grams. Oh, I get roughly. it. I thought it was some sort of way of consuming it through your, uh, through your eyes. That was awful. <laughs> no, just in terms of trying to guess doses, uh, doses and measures. Um, I got it. But it's, it's not going to do, um, you know, that's not going to do anything, anything bad to you. It'll still be fine to drink. Um, there's some cool trends out there at the moment. I don't know if you've seen the, the Dargona coffee, the, the sort of flash brew, iced lattes at home seems to be big at the moment as well. Um, yeah, coffee tonics are delicious this time in the summer as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cold yeah, brews are pretty easy to easy to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mate, it's always good to catch up. Thanks for giving us a little um, a little peek behind the curtain at Clifton and how things have been affected. And um, let's let's keep on top of it. And um, maybe we'll have another. Another chat in a few months' time. See where we are then. Sounds good to me, mate. Stay safe. Wash you your too, hands. Mate. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Bye, mate. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. So how was that? Interesting, right? A little concerning, but hopefully not all doom and gloom. We're just speculating aren't we, when it comes to how things are going to look when the vaccine finally arrives and the dust settles on this turbulent time in human history. Even the very wisest of prognosticators are struggling to accurately forecast what awaits us. As a self-confessed idealist, I am so hopeful that this enormous jolt to the system may be enough to start something new. A new, more sustainable, fairer way of doing business, where the distribution of profits is not unequally laid in the palm of the powerful. Where we do collectively favour our local businesses over the large, somewhat anonymised brands of the high street. But most importantly, we take more interest in where our goods are coming from 
and the conditions in which they are produced and the well-being of those who produce them for us to enjoy. Thanks again for listening and a particular thank you to those of you who are keeping us at Bluebear going right now with your healthy coffee habits. A big thanks to Josh for coming on the show. You can find out more about Clifton Coffee at their website, cliftoncoffee.co.uk. See you in a couple of weeks' time. Peace.